Okay, listen, we get one shot at this, and if they if they come and throw us out, we just gotta leave cool, okay? Okay. We're not gonna argue with them, we gotta be kinda quick. All right. Let's just roll. All right, we're gonna roll then. And action. Uh, in John Lennon's famous Christmas song, he begins with the words, so this is Christmas. And this is Christmas, right? We are in Walmart, and uh, Christmas has become stuff. It has become, let's just buy, 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 and that's where the joy comes from. That's where the happiness comes from. I remember when I was a kid, uh, we weren't you know, wealthy. We didn't come from money. Uh, we lived in the poor side of town in this tiny little house. There were six of us who lived in this uh, little 800 square foot house. And I remember there was this, like you walk in the front door and you have the living room, then you have this little tiny hallway. And in the back, there are three bedrooms all together and a bathroom. And I remember on Christmas morning coming out of the bedroom, you take about five or six steps down this little hallway. And uh, you know, as a kid, you, you walk out and there was this mountain of toys. There was this mountain of presents and gifts. And, and I thought, my, oh my, and Santa had come, right? And it was amazing and it was glorious. And I remember uh, just being overwhelmed. And now looking back, I, I know my parents didn't have a lot of money, but they must have made a ton of sacrifices to, to bring this to us, right? To, for my brothers and sisters and I to have so much stuff. And, and when you're a kid, uh, you are so happy. You remember this, right? You see it in your own kids. You're just like, there's this bubbliness, there's this giddiness, and you're just so full of joy, right? Uh, because you, you've just been dumped on. I mean, literally, you get all this stuff, and you think it's all about you, right? Christmas is about you when you're a kid. And, and so uh, I remember this. And then, of course, like three hours later, after all the you know, wrapping has been thrown away and the boxes have been crushed and thrown out to the garbage and you're playing with your toys and like three hours later, uh, they, the things start to break, right? And and even now as an adult, we've gotten our kids all kinds of stuff. Like I remember we, we got those little helicopters that, you know, we're floating them around the living room with radio control and like two hours later, they, they're broken already. And, and that joy, disappears that joy goes away and I'm sure we're not the only ones who've seen this right um, but it's true uh, the stuff of life doesn't produce the joy that we really want the stuff of life doesn't carry us through the tough times the stuff of life only brings so much to us well the Christmas story right in the dead middle of the Christmas story uh, the there's this part where you remember the the shepherds are out in the field the scripture describes these these shepherd people they're out watching their sheep in the middle of this open field doing whatever shepherds do in the middle of the night and then it says all of a sudden this this great heavenly host of angels appears to the shepherd men and one of the angels speaks and says we bring you good news that will cause great joy for all men good news of great joy apparently God realized that we need something more than stuff to produce something lasting in us we need more than stuff that you can get at Walmart you might have a little bit more class than Walmart I know but but you might um, and you might fill your heart with a whole bunch of stuff and your life with a whole bunch of stuff and there's nothing wrong with that it's okay but you're gonna find out it's not enough and God knew that it was not going to be enough. And so he says there's going to be something more that needs to fill your heart. There's something more that will produce not happiness, but joy. 
And that's what we're gonna go after because Christmas can be a mess if it doesn't have the right thing in the middle of it. Let's talk about it. Visiting Walmart this time of the year is always fun. Yeah. Woo, Merry Christmas, everybody. How we doing? Metro, you guys ready to rock this thing? I hope so. I believe that God wants to speak something into your life today, and I believe what God is going to speak into you today in this little place, it, it could change not only your tomorrow, but I think it could change your eternity. Uh, we're launching a brand new uh, series called Christmas, uh, because sometimes Christmas can be a little bit messy. It can be a little bit messy. Anybody? Uh, anybody ever have like a big Christmas gathering, a big family gathering that just got a little bit messy? And I don't mean uh, it got messy because like uh, the food wasn't right or the decorations wasn't I'm talking about the family wasn't right. The family got messy. Anybody? Uh, I remember a few years ago, several years ago, actually at a little fa uh, family gathering for Christmas at my family, uh, things got a little bit ugly. You know, they say never to talk about politics and religion at social gatherings. That's all we talk about at our gathering, right? And uh, we, this is just how it is. And sometimes it gets a little bit crazy. Uh, and this is how it went this particular year, particular year. One of my brothers uh, says something really stupid. And then another one of my brothers says something even stupider. And me being the smart brother, of course, I have to straighten it all out and say something smart, and then my sister jumps into the act because she is raised with three boys, and of course, she is not going to be outdone, and she's married to an Italian, and I don't know if you know anything about Italians, but they are just simply loud. They are just simply loud, and they always have an opinion about everything, and so my Italian brother-in-law would throw in his opinion, and truthfully, he would just say stuff just to get us mad, because honestly, he doesn't even believe in the things that he is saying. He just says them just to get everybody mad, and it just gets louder and louder and louder, and my mother, of course, all the while is trying to tone it down. She's like, come on, kids, it's Christmas. Come on, let's just love, goodwill toward men. And she's just doing everything. But of course, it's getting louder and louder and louder. And me uh, trying not to lose my job as a pastor, here's what I do. I literally just say to my wife and my four kids, I say, we're leaving. Halfway through the deal, we're just leaving. Get your stuff. Seriously, Dad? Yes, we are leaving. We are going out the door. So I pack up my wife and my kids. And so Merry Christmas, uh, Chasso family style, right? Uh, sometimes what is supposed to be uh, beautiful and meaningful can just be a mess. And, and you hear songs of joy to the world and silent night, but, but the truth is it's anything but joyful and it's anything but peaceful at all. And so if it's okay with you, here's what I would like to do. I'd like to do something together. I would like uh, to ask God to speak to us today. I want you to ask God to speak to you today, to cut through the clutter of your life. I want to ask God to cut through the busyness of our lives. I want him to somehow simply, but, but plainly and clearly, I want him to speak to us today. And so, um, here, here's what I would like for you to do. Just you by yourself, just bow your head for a moment. Just go ahead and bow your head at both of our campuses. Just bow your head. And just simply say, God, speak to me. Just ask him, speak to me. So Father in heaven, 
all over this room and at our video campus and for those listening online. God, I pray that you would do something deep and personal inside of us today. Be among us. Speak, oh God, your child is listening. Amen. Amen. Uh, you remember way back in 2006, there was this blockbuster movie. Uh, Will Smith was a star. It was called uh, Pursuit of, anybody remember? Happiness, Pursuit of Happiness, and it was really a good movie. The movie nailed it, and really the title uh, says everything you need to know that if you work hard enough, if you run hard enough, if you stay at it long enough, you will find happiness. You will find it somehow. And I think that this is a common theme to all of us. I mean, Thomas Jefferson wrote it into our Declaration of Independence, right? He says you have the right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of Happiness, right? It, we're, we're guaranteed the right to pursue our dreams, to pursue our happiness. It's not a guarantee that you're going to catch it. It's not a guarantee that somehow you're going to be able to hold on to it if you do catch it. But you have the right to run after it. You have the right to go after it. After it and that is what we do. We spend our lives running after this thing called happiness, especially at this time of the year. Uh, we buy stuff. We get together with friends. We eat too much in order to somehow find happiness. And then we do it again. We go buy more stuff. We get together with more people. We eat too much in order to what? Find happiness, right? We're, we're trying to fill this thing up inside of us. And, and it's a normal pursuit of our life. And we do it again and again and again in order to find this thing called happiness. A couple years ago, uh, Time Magazine had a big cover story on this idea of, of how to be happy. And, and they surveyed all of these people and they asked people, what was their, um, what was their biggest goal for their life? And, and it was incredible. By far and away, like nothing was even close. The number one response was very, very simple. I just want to be happy. And everything else paled in comparison, a great career, a huge bank account, a huge house, all that kind of stuff. Even a great family paled in comparison to the individual wanting to be what? Happy. And you ask people what makes them happy, and the answers are all over the board. Uh, I, I spent some time asking a bunch of people what makes them happy, and, and the answers were really like crazy everywhere, right? Uh, so one, one guy, he, he says, uh, I say, what, what makes you happy? And actually a lady says, uh, seeing my kids laugh, that makes me happy, especially when they don't know that I'm watching them, right? And that's true. If you have kids, you, it does make you happy when you, when you see this. Another guy, uh, I don't know what world he was living in, he said, uh, watching the Lions win on Sunday makes me happy. He's not going to be happy very often, I don't, I don't think, you know? Uh, but, but you ask other people, uh, what makes him happy? A bunch of people said, coffee makes me happy, which is really funny because I don't even like coffee. How can it make me happy? I don't even like coffee unless it tastes like ice cream. Then I love coffee, right? Um, and some, somebody said, uh, my dog makes me happy, and I don't get that. I'm like, Really? Yeah, my dog made, and this really blew my mind, a bunch of people, not just a couple, but a bunch of people said, my cats, with an S, with an S, makes me happy. And I'm thinking to myself, that is impossible. That is impossible. Cats cannot do that. I cannot, I think they're just saying that to spite me, because I just cannot imagine that being the truth, right? Uh, but some people said, a date would make me happy. So apparently there's some people around here that, that just want to go out. 
So maybe you could be the answer to their dreams, right? Uh, they're, they're, they're just a date would make them happy. Others said reading a good book. Others said praying. Uh, some people said music, singing. Uh, some people said a good movie, uh, my family, good health. See, friends, I don't know what makes you happy. It could be something uh, simple or it could be something crazy. It could be something that is um, very tangible where it's, you can feel it, where you can touch it. Other things could, that could make you happy could be very thought-provoking. It could be quiet, it could be introverted, it could be introspective, but there are all kinds of things uh, that, that make us happy, right? That we seem to be able to find happiness. But friends, let me tell you something. I would submit to you, I would humbly submit to you that, that many, many folks spend their entire lives investing ridiculous amounts of time and money and energy and effort and passions for this thing called happiness only to find it at the end to not be enough, to get it, to get the thing that they thought was going to make them happy, only to have it not really satisfy them, only to find that, that they need something more, something different, that they're still left wanting. Uh, king Solomon, I don't know if you've heard of this man, he was uh, the king after uh, King David. He inherited the throne from his father David. He was king over all of Israel. And he became what was known to be one of the wisest men who ever lived and one of the wealthiest men who ever lived. And he said something I thought was just so perplexing in his writing in the book of Ecclesiastes. He says it like this. He says, after I survey my life, after I assess everything that I've accomplished, and he accomplished more than he could ever, ever dream. He said, even the good things of life, like my career, my successes, my building projects, all of this stuff, he even said things like, including his family and his friendships, he said, at the end, listen, he said it was like chasing wind. You ever tried chasing wind? You ever tried catching wind? It just goes right through your hands. In the end, he says that there, is, there needed to be something more that in the end, even though he had achieved more than he ever desired to achieve, he knew that there had to be something eternal, something, something spiritual that would somehow complete the physical world that we live in. You see, friends, the problem with pursuing happiness, listen, the problem with pursuing happiness is that sometimes you actually catch it. You actually catch it and it isn't quite enough. It satisfies but it not, but not fully. It fills, but not completely. The problem is, is that we actually catch it and then we realize it's not what we were really looking for in the first place. And I'm not saying that any of that stuff is wrong except for maybe the cat part. That could be potentially wrong and against a holy and righteous God. But other than that, um, just kidding, just kidding. I'm not saying any of that is wrong. Um, in fact, I think that we need things that will give us feelings of happiness. But, but what I am saying is that, that they are not enough. In the end, if you spend a lifetime chasing stuff, you'll end up chasing wind. And it'll go right through your fingers every single time. Friends, if you agree with this Time Magazine report that says that the ultimate goal for most people is to simply be happy, I would gently submit to you that we're, we might be, if we're pursuing happiness, we might actually be chasing the wrong things in life. And I'm going to tell you why. 
You may want to jot this down. You may want to lean into this a little bit and write this down. Uh, here's where we go wrong with running so hard after those things that, that are on our list that culture says that will produce the happiness that we desire. Here's the problem. Listen, happiness is a symptom of your circumstances. Happiness is a symptom of your circumstances. Dr. Henry Cloud, in his book called, um, in his book called The Laws of Happiness, he, he writes that this idea of happiness is only a system of the circumstances that you're in in that moment. Now think about this. He says it's only the circumstances in your life at the moment that are producing these happy feelings. And, and you see the problem with relying on the list of things that will make you happy to make you happy, don't you? You see the problem, right? Um, one guy, when I was asking uh, what would make them happy, they said flip-flops. Flip-flops make me happy. And I think he was reflecting on summer already or something, right? But here's the problem when you rely on flip-flops to be happy. Your flip-flops can break. That is the problem, right? Uh, if we say health makes us happy, well, your health can change, your finances can change, and then you will not be happy. Your cat could run away. That might make me happy if I owned a cat, but it would not make you happy, right? That's the whole problem. Listen, family could change. Bad stuff could come your way. Circumstances will change, and the problem is uh, with so much of our happiness riding on this happy list that the list is temporary, the list um, comes and goes. The list moves. And what was enough today to make you happy is not enough tomorrow to make you happy. What is enough today to satisfy you is not necessarily enough tomorrow to satisfy you. You see the problem? Is that when we reach outside and we try to pull things into our life to for, for, for fulfillment, is that it's never quantitative. It's never enough. And what works today won't work Tomorrow, and I'm telling you, friends, uh, happiness is a uh, symptom of your circumstances. And so one day, it's sunny outside, and you're wearing your flip-flops, and you're drinking Starbucks, and you're eating ice cream, and you're listening to your favorite music, and you are happy, 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 right? But what happens when the sun isn't shining, and the flops break, and, and the Starbucks runs dry, and the ice cream starts to melt? And I'm not talking about the ice cream that you're eating. What happens when your life starts to melt down? Because if you live long enough, it will melt. Something will happen in your life. Major changes that you never desired, never wanted, will come your way. And then you'll be left empty. If that is what you built your foundation of happiness on, you will be left insecure. Every single time, because eventually something's going to happen. Your job is going to downsize. Your bills are going to start to mount up. The doctor is going to come in and say, one day you have cancer or something else that's going to radically change who you are. Or the man of your dreams is going to walk out one day because he's going to tell you that you are no longer in his dreams. And so what happens to happiness when the circumstances change? Friends, when we build happiness on changing circumstances, it is like chasing wind. It's like grabbing for something that can never be held onto. It seems frivolous. It almost seems like a waste, doesn't it? Friends, I want you to hear this. The, the problem with so many of us in this very room is that we have uh, spent our lives and you have spent your life chasing happiness through things that are here today and gone tomorrow. Things that are gone just like that. And you wonder why you're frustrated. And you wonder why you're depressed. 
And you wonder why you feel no sense of purpose or belonging in this world. Friends, it could be that we've been chasing the wrong things, that we've been running after the wrong things. You spent a lifetime chasing after wind and it's left you empty. Uh, some of you will say, well, Jay, that's not me because I got it going on right now. Right? I, I mean, I, I got it going on right now. I finally found happiness. I finally found my dream job. I finally found that dream relationship. I finally found that dream car or that dream house. And I'm happy, happy, happy. And if you're happy, 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 then I'm happy, happy, happy for you. And that's really good. But the problem is that can all change tomorrow. And more than likely, something will change tomorrow. And here it is, friends. When happiness is the goal, you are one circumstance away from emptiness. Somebody, right? When your happiness, when, when, when happiness is the goal, you are one circumstance away from emptiness. Maybe our pursuit is all wrong. Maybe it's time to chase something different to fill us up. There is this guy named Paul who writes much of the New Testament part of the Bible. And he gives us a perspective that very few can really understand. There are some in this room who could understand this, but very, very few. Uh, he writes a letter to the church that meets in the city of Philippi. And he writes this letter from a jail cell. And, and he's, he's trying to figure out the purpose of his life while sitting in a jail. And this is what he, he writes. And it gives you a whole different perspective. He, he, he says this in Philippians chapter four, starting in verse 11. This is what he says. He says, I have learned to be content whatever the, the what? The circumstances. I've learned to be content in whatever the circumstances. I know what it's like to be in need and I know what it's like to have plenty. I have learned the, what is this word? Secret of being content in every, in any and every situation, whether well-fed or if I'm hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. And friends, here's the secret. Everybody wants to know the secrets, right? Here's the secret. He says this, I can do all of this through him, through, through Christ, who gives me strength. And so what's Paul saying? He, he's saying that, that while you're spending all of your time, energy, and passions, and resources chasing happiness, there is something better, greater, deeper, and more for you. If you're looking for something that will truly satisfy and fulfill, if you're looking for something more than just circumstantial happiness, then you ought to try Christ. You ought to try a different pursuit in your life. You can find it through Christ because through Jesus, you can endure anything. He says through Jesus, you can put up with anything. You can walk through anything. You can overcome anything. You can change anything because when Christ becomes the object of our pursuit, if our relationship with Jesus becomes the, the, the great pursuit of our life rather than the pursuit of, of circumstantial happiness, here's what happens. A new thing comes. A different thing comes. A greater thing comes. A deeper thing comes. And that thing is called called joy. Have you ever heard of it? It's called joy. And friends, there is a difference. Friends, maybe we shouldn't be chasing happiness when we should be experiencing joy in our life. Maybe I need to say that again because some of y'all are like dead. Maybe, friends, maybe we shouldn't be chasing happiness when we should be experiencing something altogether different called joy. Now, friends, I don't know if you believe this or if you're ready to believe this, but if happiness is the product of my circumstance, then joy is the product of my relationship with Jesus. 
Let me say that again for you. You may want to take a picture of this. Listen, happiness is a product, if happiness is a product of my circumstance, but joy is the product of my relationship with Jesus. And so it looks like this. If happiness is sitting on the beach, joy is knowing the one who made the beach. I mean, if happiness is somehow playing with your kids and enjoying your kids and laughing with your kids, joy is knowing the one who gave you your kids. Listen, listen, if happiness is enjoying ice cream and it is pure happiness, then joy is knowing the one who made the stupid cow. Right? That's joy. Joy is simply a better kind of happiness. Joy is a happiness that is fuller and more lasting than the happiness that people often chase, right? Joy is the kind of happiness uh, that we were made for. It is solid. It is secure. It does not change with circumstances as circumstances change. Joy is rooted. Happiness is temporary. Uh, there, there was a study done across America. 32,000 people were surveyed about this idea of what made them happy. And the number one thing that if asking the question, what actually makes you happy? Guess what number one was? Over and over. Good health. Should have been ice cream. But good health was, was the number one thing that said, if I just have health, I'll be happy. If I just have that. Uh, and I get that. The older I get, the more important health is. And I'm working on health. And a whole bunch of you are probably working on health. And I eat better now than I ever have in my whole life. And it's still not working. You know, the whole deal, right? Uh, we get this. And, and health is definitely important. But the problem is this. Uh, I could leave this building and I could get hit by a car and everything about my health changes immediately. Or I could be diagnosed with the disease tomorrow and my health could change tomorrow and it will all be gone. And where does that leave my happiness? If there is no joy, if there is nothing deeper still, then I got a whole new set of problems, right? Happiness, some people say... Um, Happiness can, like, is spending time with your kids. And that may or may not be true, but this survey, I was reading a survey, and, and apparently 32,000 people were asked, and, and researchers actually said that we got it wrong because once you hit a certain number of kids, somewhere around two or three, the, the, the happy quotient actually begins to decline when your kids, number of kids and grandkids in your life actually increase. Now, that's crazy, because some of us go, no, what's all that about? But it's true. I didn't make up the survey. That's what they said. People are just saying that that's, there's an inverse relationship, right? But where does real happiness and real, real joy come from? It's knowing the God who gave you those kids. Where does real joy come from? It's knowing the God who gave you life, who can protect your health, who can protect your family, who no matter what circumstances come your way, that he will be there with you. That he doesn't promise no pain, but that he will use that pain for gain in your life. That's where real joy comes from. You see, happiness can be taken. Joy cannot be taken. And I'm glad that you have a few things that make you happy in life. You ought to have a few things that make you happy in life. God gave you those things. And God is glad that you have things that make you happy. But let me tell you the reason I think God gives us things that make us happy. I think there's a reason God is glad to do that. It is because those things that make you happy, those gifts in your life, are meant to, to, to turn your heart toward the giver of those gifts. They're designed to say, this gift is rooted in a giver. This goodness is rooted in something that's greater. God wants those good things in your life those things that make you happy to actually point to him. Friends, listen, 
if, if we chase the things instead of the who, we will chase wind. We will chase wind. Friends, chase joy, not wind. And the way to chase joy, listen to me, the way to chase joy is to chase God. Don't be satisfied with just being happy for a moment. No. Look deeper. And you're not even chasing joy. You're chasing the joy giver. You need to chase God. And so here's what I'd like to do. I just want to land on one verse of scripture. It's a verse that comes right out of the Christmas story, right smack in the middle of it. And some of you are familiar with the Christmas story. Some of you may not be, but the Christmas story is actually kind of crazy. I mean, it really is kind of crazy. It begins with this young woman named Mary having an angel appear to her. Pause for a second. That's crazy. I mean, how many in the room had an angel appear to them? Not many. Right? It's crazy. And so this angel appears and it gets even crazier because this angel says, you're going to have a child. You're going to have a baby. But she says, I'm a virgin. I'm not with a man. I've never known a man. And how could this possibly be? So that's kind of crazy. Right? That's kind of crazy. And what's even crazier than that, she actually says, okay, whatever you want, God, is fine with me. I'm thinking at that moment, I'm like, whoa, whoa, time out here. Let's reevaluate the whole game plan. Right? But she says, whatever you want, God, is fine with me. Now, we learn that she's married, uh, engaged. She's a fiance. She's engaged to a man named Joseph. And they've never had relations. They've never gotten together. They're doing it right. And, and what we learn, it gets crazy because, because this angel appears to Joseph and says, your girlfriend is pregnant, but I've never touched her. Now, this doesn't just get crazy, this gets messy, doesn't it? Relationally, this gets kind of screwy. This gets all messed up right here, right? And so the angel says, but don't worry, she's pregnant, but don't worry, it's with the Son of God. Now, that would make you feel a little bit better, right? I mean, what are you, what are you thinking at this point? You're, you're going like, what is going on? And literally, we, we learn that she becomes pregnant. Now, I get it. There's a measure of faith to all of this, and we're going to talk about that in other times, but this is just how the story goes. Listen, so she's pregnant. He's going to say, I'm going to take care of her, even though I never touched her, and, and I'm going to be this husband to her. I'm going to, I'm going to take care of her. And so we learn at this exact time, uh, Caesar Augustus, who is the emperor over Rome, he needs more taxation to keep his military conquest going, and so he orders a census of the entire Roman world. You can go back into history and find out that this is true. This is how we know the dating of Jesus is through the Roman censuses that were taken. And the point of the Roman census was to gather taxes from people, and so the way Rome did the census was, was to tell every single person they had to return back to their own hometown because they didn't have computer systems to link it all together. And so they had records of which family and how many people all in the hometown. And so we learn that Joseph and Mary, their lineage came from the town of anybody know? Come on, anybody? Bethlehem. Now we could pause right there, but we don't have time. But Bethlehem is very significant because in the Old Testament part of the Bible, there's these prophetic words that say, there's a day coming that out of the little town of Bethlehem is gonna come a savior a Messiah, a deliverer to the world. But they go to Bethlehem, and because of the census, we, we learn that 
that it was chaos. It, the place was packed out. There wasn't a Motel 6 to be found, a Holiday Inn. And even if they came, we learned that Mary and Joseph were, were paupers. They were poor and they didn't have anything. And so they couldn't afford anything. But eventually we learned that Joseph is, she's like in her ninth month of pregnancy. She's ready to give birth. And one of the things that we learned is that, that he negotiates something with this innkeeper. And he says like, I know you don't got a room, but is there anywhere we can stay? And he says, yeah, for a price, you can go stay in the back barn. You want to talk about messy with the animals and it stinks and it's all going on in the back and, and all we know with no doctors and no nurses and no hospitals, all we know is that this young lady who's probably between maybe 16 and 18 years old, um, she gives birth to a baby boy and it's crazy and the only thing that seemed to be consistent through their whole story was there's this star that's kind of following them around and it's giving light to the situation. It's kind of weird. It's crazy, isn't it? The whole story is just, it is crazy. And it's messy. But at the exact same time, we learn that this star gives light to these shepherds who were out in the field. They were outside of town doing whatever shepherds do in the middle of the night and they're watching their little sheepy go by and, and they're trying to keep the wolves away and they're doing whatever they're supposed to be doing. And all of a sudden, this light casts light down on them and it kind of gets their attention. They're like, wow, Fred, have you seen that before? I haven't seen that. It's pretty bright. What's that? You know. And then all of a sudden, we learn that they hear singing. They hear singing. And they can start to make out the words. And the words say something about glory to God in the highest. And goodwill toward men. And they hear this singing. And eventually, one of them you know, looks over and says, Fred, I think, I think these are angels singing. Unless you're singing, because I've heard you singing. It doesn't sound like this. And they figure out that these angels are singing. And I don't know how you would react when a bunch of angels show up and sing to you, but I would be terrified because it's not something I've ever seen. It's not something I've ever experienced. And the scripture says that they were literally terrified, that they were afraid. And you would think that's kind of a normal reaction. But what's really interesting here is how the angel addresses them. Because he sees that they're scared. He sees that they're terrified. He sees that like, they're like not knowing what's hitting them right now. There's light. There's like a band going on. There's like a concert going on. And it's all happening. And they're freaked out in this moment. And then the angel speaks into this moment. And this is what he says. He says, do not be afraid. And I'm going, thanks a lot. That fixes everything, right? But you can see why the angel spoke it. Because these guys were freaked out. He says, do not be afraid. And then listen to this. He says, I bring you good news that will cause great, what's the word? Joy for all the people. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all of the people. Friends, you may not believe this. You may not be ready for this. You might not be here spiritually yet ready for this. But the whole world says to you and to me, buy this and you will be happy. Achieve this and you will be happy. Do this and you will be happy. Experience this and you will be happy. Drink this, smoke this, and you will be happy. She will make you happy. He will make you happy. And if she doesn't make you happy, just go out and get somebody else who will make you happy. 
That's what we're taught over and over. Happy is something that you put on. Happy is something that you get. Happy is something that you reach out to and try to hold on to with all of your life that you grab it. Um, happy is something that you can touch, hold, and feel. But the angel shows up and says, you got a version of happy. But I got something more for you. Oh, it's okay that you got what, what makes you happy going on. But I got something deeper than that. I got good news that's going to cause great joy in your life. A joy that you've never even experienced. A, a kind of hope and a kind of a peace and a kind of comfort and a kind of contentment and a kind of direction and a kind of leadership and a kind of power and a kind of authority that you have never, ever experienced in your life. I give you good news of great, what is it called? Come on. Joy, great joy. The angel says, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all of the people. And here it is, friends. This is the source of joy. Are you ready for the source of joy? Anybody in the room ready for the source of joy? Anybody at our other campus ready? You ready for the source of joy? It says this, today in the town of David, a savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah. He is the Lord. And his name is Jesus. And I don't know if you tried the, I got to do whatever it takes to make me happy thing. You know, I'm guessing if you have, and I'm guessing a whole bunch of people in this room have tried the, I got to do whatever it takes to make me happy thing. And you tried it. And you found a moment of satisfaction. But friends, I can guarantee you that you were not satisfied. There was a moment of filling in your life when you ran after whatever you ran after. But I can guarantee that you were not filled up in your life. Friends, why is this such a big deal? Listen, joy, you need to try a different thing. You need to try the joy is way better thing. You need to try that route. And I'm gonna tell you why. Why is this such a big deal? I, I, it is because the shepherds knew exactly what you already know that your soul requires more than just happiness. You hear me? You know this. There's not a person in this room that doesn't know this somewhere internally that your soul requires requires something more than just happiness. It needs joy. When, when the happiness uh, stuff fades, when the decorations are put away and boxed up, when the sweater no longer fits because you lost your diet plan that started in January and by March it's over, right? It's all together over. When the toys break and the family goes home and the friends go home and life gets back to life. Friends, you know that you need something more. Your soul requires it. When circumstances change, when situations shift, you are left wanting more because the things that gave you that moment of satisfaction, they were never really designed to make you satisfied. Do you realize this? The issue is this, is that those things that we try to fill us don't fill us because they were never made to fill you. They were never made to answer the questions of eternity. They were never made to answer the questions of hope and purpose and direction. They were never meant to fill you completely up. All those things that made us happy even for a moment, they are just meant to show you that you have a deeper need because when something fades, you're supposed to realize, wow, I missed something 
It's like wind going through my hand. Friends, you need joy. And joy comes from pursuing the creator. You have to tune into this inner sense of joy. Instead of giving into your circumstances, here's what you do. You, you need to find joy in Jesus. You need to find hope in Jesus. You need to find peace in Jesus. And I know that some of you aren't quite ready for this. But how many more times do you have to reach at wind before you realize you need something different? Come on. Come on. Henry Cloud says it like this. Joy is not something that you chase. Listen to this. He says, joy is something you release. He says, you shouldn't chase joy because joy cannot be chased. It is the product of your relationship with God. So chase God. Woo! So chase God. Listen to me, friends. If you already, if you're in this room and you already have a relationship with Jesus, then, then you have joy. You need to figure out how to release it. The Bible says something um, beautiful in it. It says this in the book of Philippians. Paul is writing from this jail cell. He later writes this little tiny phrase. He says this, always be full of, what's this word? Joy. He says, always be full of, say this word, joy. At both campuses, joy. He says, always be full of joy in the Lord. I say it again, rejoice. And here's the point. Instead of chasing happiness, why don't you make it a point to release the joy in your life? If you're a Christian, it's already in you. Joy can't be caught. It can be released from you, right? So joy overrides circumstances. Listen, friends, uh, can't make it another day. I'm so down. I'm so abused in life. Things aren't going my way. I'm broke. My car is broke. Uh, I broke my arm. I'm not happy. Of course you're not happy, duh. Of course you're not happy. But friends, listen, but joy overrides happiness. But joy carries through circumstance. Joy carries through the situations of our, of our life. Release joy into the brokenness of your life. Release it. Listen to me, a, a person who has the joy of Christ in their life can go to a job that doesn't, uh, that, to a job where you don't respect the boss and you don't hardly make enough money to pay the bills, but you can still release joy into that work life. You can still overcome all of those things that are dra dra dragging you down because the Spirit of God is in you and He can bring you to where you cannot be on your own. You don't need to get dragged into the gossip and into the destructive talk at work and the sinful behaviors at work because you know that it flows out of the abundance of your heart. You know something different flows out of you. It's called what? Joy that comes from the Spirit of God living in you. God chasers realize that their lives are built on something different than circumstantial happiness. They are built, their lives are built on the rock of Jesus. He lives in you. He brings you joy. He brings you hope. It's not always easy to follow Jesus. It's not always easy. Listen to me. It's not always easy to follow Jesus, but Jesus is worth chasing. Merry Christmas. That is the good news that brings great joy. Amen. At both of our campuses, let's pray together. Father in heaven, we pause for a moment, inviting your spirit to be among us right now. And God, I confess that I have chased things. If I chased things that I thought would fulfill me and bring me happiness, but I'm always left holding wind chasing wind. 
So God, help me to center on you. Help me to re return to you, God. Help me to release what you have put inside of me. Help me to, to focus on who you are and what you are and what you do for me and what you expect from me. And, and my guest, Father in heaven, is I'm not the only one here who has chased wind. God, would you speak whatever you need to say into this room right now? God, whatever each individual from the front to the back to the left to the right, whatever person needs, God, you know what they need. You know what they need to hear, God. Would you speak into their life? Would you bring joy and replacement of happiness? Give them good things. But give them joy that's unspeakable. God, we thank you for your gift of your son Jesus who forgives us, who matures us, who fills us, who pushes us, who saves us. Thank you for Christmas. In Jesus' name we say, amen. Amen. amen? All right, Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas.